Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, where we focus on Magic Arena. Well, everyone, 2020 chugs along in the world of Magic, and I'm bringing back guests from the previous year that had a great time on the podcast, and hopefully they'll have a great time in 2020 as well. So let's welcome back Cresta Star. Hello, everybody. It's me. I returned. Thank you so much for coming back to the podcast. I didn't scare you off, so that's a good thing. Um, I have the most fun talking to you about Magic the Gathering, so why would I? <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get into the nitty-gritty of it, do you have anything to promote? Any streams, any uh, social media, etc.? Um, I think the last time I was here, my social media might have had a different name, especially for my Twitch. My Twitch might have been Madam Star, but you can now find me at twitch.tv, Star, and that is the new brand. Everything is Crusta Star. Mm-hmm. Also, I made a TikTok now, so that's <laughs> at Crusta Star. 50k followers were blowing up trying to do the thing and um twitter youtube you know the whole nine all crest star and that's c-r-e-s-t-a-s-t-a-r-r now don't tell me we're gonna gloss over that flex where you did you say 50k on tiktok Yes, and it's so crazy because <laughs> I literally just made a TikTok like a month ago, yeah. and the discoverability on TikTok is beyond, beyond. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really cool. Uh, there's just so many social networks to get on and to find an audience, and you can really blow up there, so it looks like uh, that's happening. Now, I haven't jumped on TikTok yet, but I did do their competitor, which is Byte. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Mm-mm. Like the last thing I heard of anything like TikTok previously was more like Vine. <laughs> so I'm yeah. really out of the loop with that. Yeah, Vine was the first, you know, short attention span video thing. And then that uh, was bought by Twitter and then shut down. And the original creator of Vine was teasing for several years like Vine 2.0 is coming back. And it did. Uh, so like one or two months ago, they brought it back as Byte because I guess Twitter still owns Vine. So now mm-hmm. uh, Vine is back as Byte, B-Y-T-E. Oh, well, that's cute. I mean, I'm always out there. I feel like short videos, like you said, for those who are attention span deficient <laughs> are the wave now because people can consume it in short portions like an appetizer and then find you in long form in things like YouTube or Twitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wherever people can get entertained from is all good and wherever they find people that are interesting to follow, I totally support all of that. Now, I heard there was some wrestling going on recently. Tonight was Elimination Chamber for WWE, and um, I'm just going to go out and say that it was kind of OD disappointing. Uh. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's WWE, so I blame myself for expecting better. Hmm. (laughs) So I don't follow it too much, but I guess uh, things, uh, the mighty have fallen, perhaps? Not so much that the mighty have fallen. Um, 
everything has a story. Even Magic the Gathering has a story, whether it be linear or many moving parts. The problem Mm -hmm. with WWE is that they want you to get invested in a story that's not going to have any payoff. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you this week that the baker is baking this bread. He puts all these great ingredients in it and tell you this bread is going to be delicious. And then when it comes time for the payoff for the bread, oh, everyone ate the bread. So anyway, there's a shiny ball over here. You're like, what? (laughs) It's a mess. And I, I know that it's a mess. And like I said, I blame myself <laughs> for thinking that um, it's not a mess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, as long as there's glimmers of entertainment here and there, we keep coming back to any sort of thing that might have wronged us temporarily. True, because I'm definitely going to watch it tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they got you. So you'll be they back. Got for them. They, they got, they'll be back for the next storyline. That's how it always works because like, I want to know what happens and I'm upset that I don't exactly know what happens. Mm-hmm. Well, on the next uh, the next time you're on the podcast, we got to catch up on, on all of those storylines and so that I don't sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. I feel like that'll take up the whole podcast and we'll <laughs> never talk about magic. <laughs> well, then that means we have to start our very own wrestling podcast. I, hello, I am down the clown. <laughs> All right, we'll have your people call my people and we'll figure it out. Yes. (laughs) Now, as for today's topics, it's a little bit less wrestling related. Although, you know, there have been several like wrestling related magic cards here and there. Remember one of the last times we talked, we were talking about how, you know, Unstable had some wrestling related cards. And there was even that one card in Throne of Eldraine with a guy wrestling a bear. Out muscle. It's my bread and butter on my green deck. (laughs) So then let's talk about that in terms of how was your life in in magic in 2019? Anything on arena going on that was cool? Anything in paper and such? What do you want to say about magic in 2019? I have to first of all start out and say I I am a hypocrite. <laughs> I remember last year we were talking about Magic the Gathering, and one of the things that specifically tilted me was um blue black deck. Mm-hmm. and people who just mill you out. And now the tables have turned and I am a blue black player. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that is not hypo- that's not being hypocritical, that's being that's evolving. I mean, if that's what you want to call it, your honor, but I don't know. <laughs> I feel like a hypocrite of the highest order because it's like at the end of the day, it's like it's cool. I do no, it's not cool because I don't. I don't want you to play. I'm just a jerk now. I'm a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are some cards that in that are in that are really um, impressing you in the world of blue black decks? So, Ashiok, the new one that came out with Throne of Eldraine, if I'm not mistaken, that card that you can it's plus one. You make a horror that every time it attacks or blocks, it exiles the top two cards of the enemy's deck or four cards. Mm -hmm. And then, like, its ultimate is you could play any card from the grave from exile on the enemy side. Like, that's, ma'am, that's silly. It is. When we got a little preview of that card um, before that set came out, we were able to play with that new Ashiok's uh that new Ashiok Planeswalker, as well as Elspeth. And right away, I could see like, wow, this lets you create these little horrors, and then they steal your cards, and you've got blockers for days, and then eventually you play your opponent's cards and tilt them even harder. Um, Uh That's definitely been a a fun Planeswalker. Well, for me, not for the opponent. 
<laughs> like it's to me it is just so crazy because it's like you can deny so much and mill them at the same time but not like if you're playing against a golgari where they could just be like okay you can mill me i'm just gonna get it back especially mm. now um uh what's the the theros beyond death that when you can you can just escape them, you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. so crazy how good Blue Black is, and I feel that's the gateway drug to Esper. <laughs> yeah, I have enjoyed playing a lot of Blue Black. Uh, even when I first played, when I was uh, when I was in high school, and I first played, apparently I was also into Blue Black. And back then it wasn't called Demir because it didn't even exist. And now I'm oh. totally into Demir or Orzhov as well, black-white, or even mono-black. I've been playing some fun mono-black devotion decks now that we've got um, the new Theros Beyond Death. Uh, there was this, there's this card, Grey Merchant of Asphodel. People call him Gary. I don't know if you've heard oh, of that card. That card is so not nice in a black deck. <laughs> yeah. I just played, I guess, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday on stream. Uh, Self-plug right here. I stream every Saturday night, 11 p.m. Pacific time. And I was there streaming. And then I, I was playing that recent, I was playing that event, Heliod's Glory, where it lets you... Uh, play with the immortal sun even though that card rotated out but it's like here you get a you get an immortal sun you get an immortal sun we all get an immortal sun and i was able to cast so many spells on the cheap and i finished my opponent off with doing like 12 damage with one final gray merchant at the end like that card is so good and it's like i try to run it sometimes in my blue black deck but i feel that card performs its best in a pure black deck because even when you're close to death and you're like man i got one health if mm -hmm. you have at least what four or five cards on the board and your devotion is like five six mm -hmm. plus the two that gary gives when he drops dude and then you have like you're taking like at least 10 health like nine ten health to get back nine ten health for your own like yeah that's tilting <laughs> definitely now i have a play group that we like to do commander in real life and I just got my own copy of Gary that I pulled from a from a pack of Theros, and it's nice. definitely getting added to that commander deck. And you know that's gonna be uh, versus three other people. And if you're able to summon Gary at the right time, you're you're draining what like fifteen life, twenty life, I don't know what, and then you're gaining all of that yourself. And then it's like everyone is like, nope, rage quit. Yeah, that's ridiculous. He's such a game breaker. I never thought about it in Commander because I don't typically play Commander. But yes, absolutely. That's a jerk move. <laughs> Come on, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to people previously on the podcast that they did play when Grey Merchant was out in original Theros, which, is, which was in 2013, I think. And people were saying, yeah, if you play any Black Commander decks, you've got to get a copy of this card. And I said, yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'll get it if I get it. But then when we got it on Arena and I played it in uh, in, in Arena, in Brawl or whatever, or regular matches, I'm like, you know, Gary is the truth, Ruth. So I've got to put him in my, in my deck in real life. Like, he's so clutch, too. Like, the fact that he gives you health while draining is just beyond, beyond good, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then he's a, he's a good blocker, so just in case you need to do that as well. Um, so what else in um, in the world of magic? Did you play any, like, uh, IRL paper magic in 2019? Unfortunately, no. IRL paper magic really intimidates me. 
even though I learned on a Willbreaker deck, mm-hmm. I have always wanted to get the Willbreaker card. But my problem with Paper Magic has and always will be that it's an addiction. And once you start, <laughs> my house is already littered in Magic cards <laughs> from my boyfriend. So it's like I don't want to get I don't want to get addicted to it. Mm-hmm. I, I want to, but I don't want to. I'm scared. <laughs> Totally understandable. I know I'm at a certain point where I pick up cards in real life, but I'm part of a, a game club. So it's like, I'm never going to use these cards. I'm going to donate them to the club and let someone else use them because I'm going to stick with the cards that I like, the colors that I like, the strategies that I like. And I keep getting cards, but uh, that's in the service of certain decks. So I might as well pass on cards that I'm not using to other people. Have them enjoy it. Fair enough. I've always liked that too about the Magic the Gathering community. Even when I go to like things like PAX or or whatever, the Magic the Gathering community is just so nice and relaxed. Like, do you need help? There's mm-hmm. a box of cards you can take over here. It's the sweetest thing. And I'm like, it's a really nice community and very welcoming. Like, if you don't understand, people are willing to like teach you. Yeah. Definitely. I think that's one of the one of the things like you said about uh it's it's the gathering part of magic the gathering people want to play you can't really play solitaire magic so you've got to play with people and hopefully you'll be nice about it and invite new people to play and more people playing more magic is more good yep more people playing more magic is more good (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) that's the uh unofficial slogan of this podcast every time uh, i try to sneak it into every podcast so (laughs) So have you been to any uh, any events or anything, either recently, last year, or anything? PAX was a lot of fun. I worked it. I worked a booth. Um, if you don't mind, I'll do a little talk about it. I worked a booth for um, P-Cube Games, Annapurna, yeah. and um, Double Fine. And there's one more, The Pathless by Giant Squid. It's a... Um, I'm trying to think. I think the guy who did The Pathless... Also did the um the the art director did the game Flower. So a lot of people were super into it. Like my feet were killing me. I wanted to write a strongly worded letter by the end of the the con, but it was really nice. I got to meet so many great people. It was super <laughs> cool. I I wouldn't trade it for the world, but that's a lie. I wanted to sit more. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any plans this year? 2020 to do more events conventions meetups uh magic anything at all um that hopefully is the goal i would like to do more meetups more things like with my community in particular with me transitioning from wrestling i mean from video games to wrestling i still want to meet the people who are always been like oh crest the star you've supported me the whole time Mm -hmm. and you know I just also want to give back to the community because like I said before, the Magic the Gathering community is has been ra- really welcoming. And I want to make sure that I could do something like people who are new who might not have been exposed to it either way. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I like doing in real life is giving away Magic cards in terms of like, well, here's... Uh, like I bought like uh, on eBay, you, you can get like a thousand Magic cards for like... 10 bucks. And usually, obviously, they're, they're not playable tournament or anything like that. But 
I have these cards and then when I meet people and if I go to any events and such, I'm like, hey, do you play magic? And like, here's a free magic card. And even if it's not a tournament staple, it's like, wow, I got a free card and this is a fun zombie creature or a dragon or an angel or whatever. And it's like, what is this about? And then maybe they'll get into magic themselves. Like you said, the more people playing magic, the more good. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm planning on uh, doing um, the pre-releases at least since, you know, that happens about four times a year or so. And uh, I play a lot of arena and with my core play group, but I also want to go to local card shops, local comic shops and such. And I did manage to go this past early January when they released the new Theros Beyond Death. Um, I'm not going to lie, and this is the first time I'm going to reveal it on the podcast. I didn't mention it on previous ones. I went... um, I was eighth place in an eight-player pre-release. Shame. Well, you know what? At least you had the guts to uh, to sign up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. I did get to play, try out the new cards. I thought it was going pretty well, and then I was just never able to figure it out because that escape mechanic is really interesting. You've got to think about what's in your hand, what's in your library, and now what's in your graveyard. So it was a little too much, I guess, but it was a good learning experience. I mean, don't you also get to keep the cards that uh that you get to play with? So, I mean, <laughs> hey, you who lost? Who really lost? Yeah. Not you. <laughs> Yeah, I hope then on my next ones, uh, I win at least one time. But again, yeah, it's meeting people, playing with the cards, keeping the cards, learning about the cards. So it still works out. I think you're cool for that because I would never. That intimidates me so much. Like sometimes I want to go and play against like people in real life, like get a deck together. But I always get like so nervous and I get like, I don't want them to like, what the hell is this noob doing? Or mm. What is this part? Like, what are you thinking? Are you not reading the card? Like, hmm. I think I'm okay at Magic the Gather Arena, but it's like people in real life, it's just very nerve-wracking because I don't have a good poker face either. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure it varies from place to place, but this time that I went to that pre-release, uh, it seemed like half the people were pretty new and uh, maybe a quarter were like into it for like 10 years or more and then the last quarter were within the one year or two so i think there's a lot of people trying it in real life because they're addicted on arena and they're like yeah i want to try that in real life how does how how does it all work in real life so i don't think it's as intimidating as it might be and if you go with someone that's also helpful i went with a uh with a with a friend a uh, another uh former guest of the podcast stevie and uh, we went and we had a good time That sounds cool. Maybe I'll look into it, but I'm also a punk, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, by the time I have you back next time, maybe maybe you'll reveal that you did go and then you top-aided. I am a world champion. (laughs) (laughs) So one way that you become a world champion is to play a lot of magic, and there was a lot of magic released in, uh, in 2019. I looked it up, and there were like 1,500 cards released in 2019, uh, oh, wow. On Arena, that's not counting the 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 in-real-life stuff, which was uh, Modern Horizons and, like, the Commander products. So 1,500 cards. Uh, what would you say, perhaps, any, uh, any set that you liked, anything that comes to mind as a particular set from 2019? I will say, from the time I've been playing Magic the Gathering till now, my favorite is Orzov, mm-hmm. the black-white. I do like blue-white. I do feel a little guilty, a little dirty playing it. <laughs> but I feel like 
the combination even throughout the different, just strictly Magic the Gathering arena, through the different sets that came out and the additions that you can add. Like if I open up my my black white deck right now, got staples in there like um Illuminous bonds, things like that, just to keep something like, oh, so you've got an army token that you're going to keep stacking. That's great. I'm not going to let you build another one. I'm going to just let you stack this one. And if you've got no way to get rid of this enchantment, Mm -hmm. you know, you're screwed. Um, But the addition of things like God's Willing and um, Omen of the Sun. And there's another one. uh, I'm trying to find it real quick. And I think it's three mana. It's the one that you have a counter on the creature and you have four turns to tap it. Oh, yeah, that's uh, Heliod's... uh, Punishment. Punishment? Yeah. I think that card is also very clever because as someone who is a black-white player, I find that Illuminous Bonds can be oppressive. It's like if I have no disenchantment it's a little Mm. bit bs because what can i do Mm. but with something like hilliard's punishment i think it's one less than a luminous bonds is one white one um whatever Mm. and this person has a chance to get out of it and fun fact if you have a oh my goodness what is that spirit that every time you hit a player or planeswalker you proliferate. Oh my goodness. I'm look I have my deck right up and I can't find it. I'm I know blind. which one you're talking about, but I don't remember its name. But I know which one it is. It's like a spirit and it's got like a skeleton face or something yes. like that. So if you prolif- if prol- proliferate, if you proliferate, <laughs> <laughs> you can always up the counter on that thing. Oh, yeah. So that person's gonna be tapping forever. I found that out in the game. I just clicked it and it's like, Are you sure? I was like, Yeah, and the person quit after that. I was like, hey. hey, hey. <laughs> 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 yeah. Isn't it great when you discover these strategies that uh, at first glance you might not have thought of? Mm-hmm. It, like, because it works on other enchantments like the sagas. You can bump them up if you just want to get them done and out the way. Mm-hmm. But it also works on things that players control, so to speak. You can just always bump up the counters like, no, you're going to be tapping this forever. Yeah, like when if even if you have a planeswalker, uh, there's so many types of counters, and planeswalkers have loyalty counters. So yeah, that one spirit, I I I know I've put it in some decks, and it's really cool. So when I have like a a uh, counter filled deck, I know I like to have that spirit to keep adding more counters. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I mean, God's willing again, if you put that on him to keep people from killing it, because they know what that grateful apparition just mm. found it. Mm-hmm. And people will go like that's a hate target. Absolutely, I would do the same thing because there's so many things like I don't want you to get your Liliana the Nine mm-hmm. or your Nico Bolas, and that'll make it go faster. And because it's in the air, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's it's uh, I think it's an uncommon, right? I, I don't have it up, but I think it's not even a rare or mythic or anything, and it's uncommon and it gets the job it done. It's an uncommon. Mm-hmm. And for only two mana, that's not bad. And in a white deck, and even if you didn't do it compared with paired with a black, you could just do a white weenie. That'll bump up like in a Johnny Pride Maid in like two seconds. It's yeah. so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I keep loving to play the Ajani's Pride Mate, and one of the decks that I was building last year, I always try to build cat decks because we all know cats are the best. And so um, I was trying to do a mono white cat deck and um black and white cat deck and uh, johnny's pride mates always in there because you just keep feeding that kitty and he keeps growing uh if you do like 
If you did like a black white cat deck, I would imagine you would have Cauldron Familiar yeah. to always like sack it, heal it, and then with the um the furnace artifact card, I can't think of the name. The Witch's Oven. Yeah, like oh goodness, that is so silly. Yada Johnny is just gonna be a pain. And if you've got if the enemy has no way to stop it or mm. to like at least CC it, that's silly. And that's like three four mana right there at most. Yeah, it's a very efficient deck because you've got Ajani's Pride Mate at two, the Cauldron Familiar at one, the Witch's Oven at one. So even if you if you get mana screw, if you've got two mana, the deck is online because it's so affordable. All you need is one black, one white, or a multicolor and whatever. And you're like you said, it's online and it's silly. What I also like in that black-white deck that I have, I have that exactly, the Cauldron Familiar, the Witch's Oven, the Ajani's Pride Mate. There's this artifact called Mace of the Valiant. It does cost three mana, and it's one of these artifacts that you need to have um, uh, color mana for it. So it's not just like a colorless artifact. You actually have to have white mana to cast it. But then what this mace is, it's an equipment, and it gives your creature vigilance and a plus one, plus one every time you summon a creature. So if you put the mace out, you summon that little um, cauldron familiar, it gives the plus one counter to the mace, and then you you put the cat in the oven, and then you bring it back to life, you summon it a second time, and you put a second counter on the mace, and now your pride mate's not only growing because of that life, but the, the mace of the valiant is giving it vigilance, and plus two, plus two, plus three, plus three, it gets really out of hand. That's really silly and are you ready i'm probably gonna make whoever you're playing against be really upset <laughs> but there's something else you could add to that too mm -hmm. uh, i'm looking for the exact card right now so i'm not i'm pretty sure it's an enchantment and it just came out here in theros beyond death there's something that gives it vigilance and hexproof um okay so sentinel's eyes mm -hmm. gives it vigilance but there's there's another one that gives your um, creature hexproof, and it's the silliest thing. Is it that one? What's it called? It's that one card with like a deer. It's got like a deer in a force field. Is that the one we're talking about? I thought it was a black or a white. I thought it was a white card, to be honest with you, and I can't think of the name either. Wait, every time you summon a creature, does that count when you um, create a token? Uh, it depends on the card. I don't remember if that Mace of the Valiant counts any time. Because there's if you summon a creature, and there's also if a creature enters the battlefield under your control. So that would be like if you, you know, mm. created a token. So I don't remember what the Mace, the difference between those two, but some things do differentiate. Okay, I'm going to find out what that Hexproof thing is. Or maybe I just don't have it. Hold on, let me uh, not collect it. That'll sound even better, like you're saying that... You, they might have an answer for that really big pride mate, and if you play that card, uh, whatever it is, when we find it, if you play that card, indestructible. Yes, please make my cat, make my cat big and make it indestructible. Make my monsters grow. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I think if you added that, that would just make it so much more like I hate this person. <laughs> yeah. They're supposed to be playing a pure color, and they're doing really bad things to me. Oh, here it is. It's Karametra's Blessing. Instant. Creature gets plus two, plus two. And then it gives it hexproof and indestructible. Yeah, if it's enchanted. And it's a white card, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep, I found it. Yep. And it's a one mana. How silly. 
How mm-hmm. silly. Yeah. Go forth and make someone's life miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what cats usually do when they're not being cute? That's the give and take. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I think I have another piece in there. Uh, really low cost because the Sentinel's eyes is one. The Pride Mate is two. I guess the most expensive thing would be that Mace of the Valiant because it's three, but still not so bad to get this all online. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a good opening hand, that's like, that's game almost. So annoying. And a healer's hawk just to be disrespectful. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Turn one healer's hawk and it's already flying over your opponent when they're trying to set up their board. And then turn two, um, a Johnny's Pride Mate and that bird... Makes uh, makes the cat grow. Silly, silly, silly. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm going to give you credit when I stream that, and I'm going to say this is a Cresta Star original strat. And when people are like, we hate this person. How dare you? <laughs> like, blame it on me. I'm the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> so in, um, in Arena, like I said, we got a whole bunch of cards to play with. Anything else? Any other card? Uh, or archetype or anything that you enjoyed in 2019? I did enjoy with the with the Theros deck. There's a lot of between Theros and Eldraine, I feel like there those were the two back to back, right? Yes, but uh Thero, uh, but Eldraine came out at the end of 2019 and Theros just came out in January. But I'll Theros just came out, so Theros you're fired. Um <laughs> Eldraine was cute. I mean, the adventure, there was this one deck that I used to hate playing against, and I think it was the green adventure deck, and you play with a bunch of artifacts that if you have an adventure, you can play it twice, and you can have four of them, and that green ramp up was so brutal, Hmm. but I will say that it was nice to see a ramp up green deck, because I haven't seen anything that since like um, Ixalan, like with dinosaurs and whatnot. Hmm. I mean, you could do a cute little green-white with, like, wolves and whatnot, but, like, a pure green deck, Hmm. I felt like before Eldraine really was like, okay, we can, but we really need the ramp. Yeah. Yeah, and you have, like, a big payoff. You can get Questing Beast really fast, and that thing is a 4-4 haste death touch creature that if it connects with the opponent it still then does damage to their planeswalker like and it's the death touch is what really makes it like critical like i have haste and death touch you're really not gonna do anything to me and if you think you're gonna do anything to me um uh eldrain also had like a lot of things where i could fight you you know one-on-one bro like so i'm using my death touch and and i'm gonna get health back for especially with flyers like fell the pheasant Mm. yeah so green has become a powerhouse it might have been missing pieces for a little while and now i don't know if you keep up with like the bannings and such but there was a ban on once upon a time that was that was basically a free spell in green that would let you dig through i think it was five cards in your library off the top of your deck and it was if it was the very first card you played you can you can cast it for free that is silly that is very very silly that's kind of like with the with the Oko ban, like there's no reason why that card was so strong like that. Mm. 
I was saying, even if we want to go further back into 2019, Field of the Dead <laughs> was, oh my God. That one was in everyone's nightmares for a long time. How are you going to get past that army of zombies? And just by playing a land, you get a land and you get a zombie. And then people were just doing these amazing tricks that it wasn't just one because you could have a playset of four. It wasn't just one zombie. With a whole playset of four, you were making three or four, two, two little zombies every time you just played a land. Because a lot of people ran that deck with the elemental deck and that was already like three colors, red, green, blue. Yeah. And then you had that Risen Reef that we every time you drew a land, you could put another elemental or a land down. And then Aboriginal Grazer, which you could put a land. Like there was so much land card draw that even if you had like what? One or two creatures, who cared? You'd have that in a Hydroid Crisis and you could really beat <laughs> someone up. Yeah. Yeah, that crazy crisis. Uh, it's really sad when people could barely summon it as a 2-2, but then people seeing people summoning it as, as like a 9-9, nine nine, plus all that life, plus all those cards. That was another card that uh, was really vexing people. The whole elemental, I feel, deck set. Like the, I, I get it that red, not red, I get it that green big creature in particularly needed a lot of ramp, but oof, <laughs> mm -hmm. they put a brick on the gas pedal with that ramp. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, those elementals were all like, uh, there was a there was a, a one green elemental that would gain you life. There was that Risen Reef that was three mana, but that's the one that let you draw and ramp. And then there was like, what else? Like just a bunch of elementals that all of those came out basically in Corset 2020. Yeah, I got to play um, a lot of the Corset and um corset was towards the beginning of the year because if i'm not mistaken war of the spark was at the beginning of 2019. it's all starting to blend together now to be honest yeah yeah so. like it's so many cars <laughs> <laughs> yeah that elementals deck and i still see it i'm still trying to climb the ladder and i still pe still see people playing because it's just so efficient so uh we'll see how it goes with even more cards in in the new in the new set that deck is still pretty good, but it's like for like without Field of the Dead, that deck really loses its like its main umph. Mm. And for all of that, you can omit the blue and just do a red green domery. And like uh there's a dragon that's like seven red, not seven red, but it's like seven mana, three mm. red, and like four or uh, whatever and it's like it does seven damage divided amongst three targets like four three and two or so, something <laughs> really freaking silly mm -hmm. and if you can ramp up with that and have a domery on the board mm -hmm. bruh mm -hmm. you're not coming back from that because i'm gonna get a big creature before you could do anything yeah, exactly. That's the whole thing about green, that it lets you ramp, it lets you cheat mana in really fast. You have these little mana dorks, or you have other form of acceleration, and suddenly uh, you're, you're getting this huge creature because, you know, the theory of magic is that you are slowly building up resources. You're slowly putting down lands to get to a, some big finale. But nope, in green, it's like, nope, I'm going to put everything out at once, and suddenly I'm out there way faster than you. Green is like, I'm expensive. I know my creatures are eight mana. So my little two mana creatures are going to give me four mana in the process too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that um, Land of War Elves, that one was definitely a one drop 
mana acceleration. That one's definitely missed by the green crowd, but they have plenty of others, uh, other mana dorks to help them get where they need to be. They have that druid who's also hexproof, which I think in in Lana Wars, uh, in Lana Wars defense, it was great. But if you played a red, you had a shock, and I'm screwing your whole yeah. mana ramp behind. At least this one being hexproof, as long as I don't tap it for mana, you can't just kill it off rip. Yeah. I was trying to play a deck last night on stream. It was uh, it was uh, standard boggles. Now boggles. Um, do you know Do you know that creature, boggles? I do not. So I'm hoping you enlighten me. So Boggles are this creature that came out a long time ago that was either a green or blue mana. It was one of those hybrid manas, and it was a 1-1, and it was hexproof. So people liked playing that Boggles deck because, okay, I've got a 1-1 hexproof, but then I'm going to put a ton of enchantments on it, and you can't target my 1-1, who's now a 10-10. So that was the classic Boggles. There's no such mana-efficient creature at the moment except for that Druid, which is that 2-mana 2-1 hexproof, and as long as it doesn't tap, it's hexproof. But guess what? We were just talking about Sentinel's eyes, and what does hex mm-hmm. and, and what does Sentinel's eyes do? Vigilance, baby girl. That's right. So you got a 2-1, actually a 3-1, because the 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 eyes also give it plus one plus one. Um, you got a vigilant hexproof uh, boggle. That's not really a boggle, but I was playing that deck and just stacking a bunch of enchantments on it and i i swear i got that to like an 11 10 and my opponent just couldn't handle it because it's hexproof. i had someone do that to me exactly it was a green white but they put that um hydra's growth on it mm, so mm. every turn there was nothing i could do yeah and then because they're playing green white i think at the end they ended up getting a trample and i was like all right all right i've seen enough <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Because you can kind of hold off. Okay, I'll chump block you again. Your ten, your ten nine is being blocked with my one one. Okay, but at least no trample. Then whoops, you've got trample. Never mind. GG. Yeah, it's like I don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> yeah. So in twenty twenty, we've got one new set released in Arena Theros Beyond Death. Like I said, I never played back during that time. Um, and uh, you've uh, you've told us on the podcast you you're also a newer player, so you didn't play way back in 2013, whenever this came out. Um, so what do you think about what do you think about this uh, this new set? Do you, even though like I didn't have much history about it either, but what do you think about these new cards, this new story, and such? So the story I'm not too familiar on, but I will say the escape mechanic is kind of nice. It's like, okay, I really need this card. You've just exiled it. I'm not exiled. You sent it to the graveyard or you've killed it off the board. I can escape it by exiling cards. So if I got a bunch of things that I can't get out of the graveyard, like instance or whatever, I can just exile those and get my card back and do whatever it is I was doing with it. Mm-hmm. Also, the um, the indestructible gods or whatever it is, like, yeah. um, like when it comes to mine off off the top of my head is clothy so whatever it's like k-h-y-l-o-t-h she's a green yeah red and she can exile at the i think at your end step the enemy's mana no at, at the beginning of your upkeep or your 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 whatever <laughs> uh she'll exile an enemy's mana or a creature and if it's like a mana you get a mana or if it's a creature you get two health and like she does two damage to yeah you. there's other 
white ones, black ones, light black ones. And yeah, they're really good and they're indestructible too. Yeah, so all of the all of that removal spell murder doesn't work, disenchant doesn't work. Uh, really, you you need some specific exile cards, and those are sometimes not as handy as the as the other cards. But uh, it's it's really cool in terms of, for example, the gods. There's yeah, like you said, Clothis. It's not a god. I mean, it's not a creature until you have the devotion, and then she mm-hmm. comes to life and helps you out. But even when she's not a creature, she's doing stuff as an enchantment. So that's really creative. And even when they become a creature, they're still doing their enchantment. Like yeah, for a fact. There is a blue enchantment creature, which I'm looking up right now. And this is um, Thassa, the Deep Dwelling. Mm -hmm. My guy, this card, you get her out. And if you happen to get an Agent of Treachery out, (laughs) two times in one turn, I can steal two of your permanents. It could be a mana. It could be whatever. It's so silly. Or if I'm doing a blue mill deck. I can just keep milling you out uh, by putting out a wall of lost thoughts, things like that over and over and over again. And it gets worse because I've seen people, I was watching the Magic World tournament where this guy, I think he was milling himself out and there is, um, I think it's Thassa's Oracle or something like that. It's like you draw 10 cards and if you don't draw Mm. 10 cards, if you draw them and it's more than your library, you win the game. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, there's that yeah, exactly. There's that new one, Thassa's. Yeah, Thassa's Oracle. I think uh, alternate win condition. So this is a self mill, which I always think is fascinating. I'm too scared to play it, but then it works if you know what you're doing. You mill yourself and you win the game instead of losing the game. Because then you have cards like Jace to like ensure that if you have it out, like, dude, I'm definitely gonna get this win. So leave me alone. I saw so many people trying to get that Jace self mill going on. And depending on the kind of deck you have, you could perhaps uh, be too aggro for them. But when they get it to work, it's it's really nice. Now, I must say that the uh, when you said double agent of treachery, I was so triggered there because that's one of the cards that I hate so much. I hate I hate getting my stuff treacheried by that agent. Uh, so you just gave me nightmares tonight getting double agent of treacheried uh, by uh, Thassa. I mean... I feel like at the end of the day, somebody did that to me and I was like, I hate you. So I'm going to do it to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets worse because you can use that. Oh, I've, oh, what was the worst combination I've seen? If you use that and then if you use spark double, hmm. hot mess, yeah. hot mess. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. just literally steal all their stuff because like, even if you don't have a creature, if you're playing a multicolored deck... If you have like four red mana and one black, I'm taking your black mana. Why? Because I can. Yeah. That's the thing that's like so OP about it that it's gain control of any permanent. There's so many cards that say like steal a creature or steal an artifact or whatever. This is a permanent. So if you needed that land, if you needed that dual land, now it's mine. Mess. That's what that, that whole combination is a mess. And I'm not going to sit up here and lie to anyone and especially not to you. I've definitely used it because I'm a piece of crap. (laughs) (laughs) there's some cards that I'm like, people use these so well and I want to use them, but I don't know if I want to fully in- embrace the dark side yet, but I probably will because winning is nice. I that That's that's the real caveat there. It's like, I want to have morals, but... <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So last uh, last year, I was able to uh, to play the ladder, and I got to to diamond tier twice. And it's like I touched the sun, and I don't think I'll ever be able to do it again because people are just getting so good on arena. Have you noticed that? Uh, I'm afraid of ranked. I played it a few times, but also listen. I think it's what you make it. I never look at anyone else. I can only look at myself. But also have to understand, too, that when you play ranked, Mm -hmm. everyone's sweaty, including you. So (laughs) I can't be mad when people pull out the most meta of the meta. It's just that I don't want to get mad. I'm very competitive, and I enjoy magic for what it is, and it's a leisure game. But the people at the highest competitive levels... I would have never thought about doing just the combination I told you, the Thassa's Oracle, milling myself out. Yeah. To me, that's ridiculous. Like I said, I would never want to put myself in that position. Mm-hmm. I like to play almost all of the modes, and I just kind of jump around between different things. But I do find myself trying to get on that ladder, and uh, it, it can be a challenge because, yeah, people, it's no joke. People, other people that take it way more serious, they want to get to that mythic rank. They want to try the most meta decks. And if you make one mistake, it's downhill because it just seems like everyone's so good on the ladder. Uh, so it's kind of a, a vicious cycle because I play it and it's fun. And then I lose. I got to get back my rank. But then I lose again and I got to play twice as more to get back to that rank. And then I got to switch over to something else that's less less high stakes and then it's all good again and then the worst is like i stopped playing i'm like okay i'm done with magic i'm gonna i'm gonna throw my laptop in the lake but then i <laughs> but then i uh then i go do something else and i start listening to a magic podcast and like i want to play magic again so then i go back to it <laughs> that is a very relatable feeling about any game that i'm like i really want to play but the ladder makes me mad i'll play the ladder i feel good then i'll lose i'm like i hate everything every time i turn around youtube twitch there's what i'm looking at i'm like i hate this i'm gonna go play (laughs) yeah Yeah. i find also too that i don't know i find modes like mormir's madness to be a lot of fun like it's so random Mm -hmm. and it's like it could be tilting especially if you get like a bad string of cards but it's like the the amount of cards you can get is just silly like i think the last Mormir, they were doing a historic one or whatever it was. Hmm. And somebody drew a card that's not in the game, yeah. but it was like, opponents can't attack you. And hmm. I'm like, but okay, I can murder that, but I can't do spells. So what the hell? I'm so <laughs> mad. <laughs> yeah, they snuck in some some cards that are not in standard. Uh, Arena's pretty much standard, although it has historic, but uh, there's nothing as old as that. And I think I saw... What was that one? There was like a huge creature. Oh, Grizzlebrand. This is like a, a famous like a 7-7 flying trample demon for 8 mana or something that hasn't been printed in like 15 years. And apparently you could get that creature if you if you invested the, the mana correctly in that Momir event. So that's kind of cool that they're just throwing in some weird random stuff in, in the game to keep it fresh. Oh, heck yeah, because I'm going to tell you that as soon as that happened to me, I was like, this card is a piece of crap. It's a white <laughs> card. Let me put it in my white black deck. Hold on. And I couldn't find it forever, uh, and I had to, like, Google research. Like, girl, this card is old as sin, girl. Yeah. <laughs> they tease us. They have these cards that are that are so cool in these events, and then you can't put it in. Uh, did you ever uh, play uh, Arena last month when they 
when they let you play actually with a black lotus? No, I think I never got a chance to play that mode because last month, like, especially January, no, not January, I'm sorry, February was so crazy for me. Like, just personally, I had a lot of things going on. It was a mess, but mm. I heard people were going ham taro because you isn't that one where you tap it, you get three mana of any color? Yeah, it's one of the original most powerful cards of all because, yeah, turn one, and it costs zero. This is a zero casting cost artifact. So imagine you place one land plus this Black Lotus. You have four mana on turn one. That's silly, Your Honor. And then you'll play a creature. Sorry, play a creature on top of that. Didn't they, like, remake it with, like, the Nyx Lotus or something like that? They did. It still has stipulations in terms of it does give you mana, but it's based on other... It's based on devotion. So how many other uh, uh, permanents you have that give you that mana, then it gives you mana. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, I feel like there was another Lotus too, but I think it was very... It was color specific. There was uh, Lotus. There was that land. I think Lotus Veil, Lotus Lotus Field, something like that. That was a that was a mana. That was a land that would give you uh, three mana. Oh, there's Gilded Lotus, but it's five mana, and it's like add three mana of any one color. Not the same. <laughs> so the very first generation of it was just so overpowered because it was a zero casting cost artifact. And the later generations, you, you have to compensate for it because that's way too powerful. I did play that event, but it seemed like it was only open for like three or four days. So a lot of people didn't get to play it. But when I did get to play it, um, uh, it had uh, my opponent was able to summon one of those cavaliers. You know how there's the cavalier of gales, cavalier of storms? Yeah. It was a turn one cavalier with that black lotus in their lands. And I'm like, okay, you have a five, six. I am scooping. That is silly. That is so silly. Like, who needs ramp? Every deck should have one of those. Yeah. Well, it's such an overpowered card that even if you have a copy of that card, which is literally thousands of dollars in real life, uh, even if you have that card, uh, all formats of magic ban it, basically. And even Legacy, which lets you play anything you want, even on that one, you can only play one in your deck. Wow. I can see why it's overpowered, because like turn one is really silly. Like, even two, like, do you remember... Um, do you remember that artifact card... Thuromatic Compass or whatever it was. I remember the name of it, but I don't remember what it does. So you untap target attacking creature on opponent controls and remove it from combat. Oh, yeah. And that makes um, Spires of or Orazat, or I don't know how to say that. Orazka? I don't know how to mess it up. Yeah. And I'm like, that card to me was even oppressive, but there was still like stipulations to it. I'm just trying to say in comparison for Black Lotus to be zero mana, I get three of any one mana, Turn one, I have four mana, and I could play like a four mana. That's silly. Yes. It's the evolution of the game where I like kind of like going back and reading some of the history of the uh, of the early magic and such. And it was like, here was this card that was so powerful, and here's how it evolved. Like uh, another very early card was Time Walk, which is basically two mana, one blue and one more. Take an extra turn. That's it two mana to take an extra turn. And nowadays you have to pay like five, six, seven mana to take an extra turn. Yeah, that's true. Or if you don't like uh, that 
red white card chance for glory if you oh, don't yeah. kill that person you lose bro like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh there's just so much variety and um evolution in the cards uh i think magic's never gonna run out of ideas which is really nice when you think about it too a game that's always constant fresh and it can always go back to older concepts like when you think about theros and say hey how can we take this concept and change it and make it enjoyable for something that was already enjoyable but just reimagine it like some odd years later Mm -hmm. i'm waiting for them to return to one of the sets of my youth it was called ice age and um, it was all about uh, snow creatures and just like barbarians living in the mountains and other like uh, kind of like snowy sort of creatures. Uh, so I would hope that they would kind of bring back some of that older stuff because it's, there's like a cool aspect of the game that there's new stuff, but there's also nostalgic stuff. And I think magic can uh, balance that pretty well. Something new, something old, something for everyone. I agree. I'm ready to go back to dinosaurs. I'm not going to hold you, Ixalan. Merfolk yeah. was hella annoying, yeah. but I really like dinosaur decks. I think reading various articles and such, they, Wizards does say that that was very popular for them. So I don't doubt that they'll bring back some dinosaurs. Maybe we'll see some in the next set that's coming out this year. Um, have you heard of that one? Ikoria, Layer of Behemoths? I have not. Wait, what was the name of it? Ikoria, I-K-O-R-A. Uh, oh, I have not. I thought you were saying like, uh, is, is the girl's name Kiora? The like the 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 planeswalker. There is Kiora, but then this is okay. this is a new set. Ikoria. Oh, I have not heard anything about it. Enlighten me, fine sir. It's still out in the horizon. So they they've only really revealed the name of the set. It's Ikoria. Uh, layer of behemoths and that makes me think of dinosaurs and they've revealed a little bit of the art they have vivian one of the latest planeswalkers she's the she's the green a recent green planeswalker and she's in the art as well and she's like commanding these huge beasts none of them, none of them quite look dinosaur like but um that's maybe where they can put in more dinosaurs that's the next set coming out in you know three or four months or so come on green red <laughs> that's all you're gonna see is green red dome reed vivian reed <laughs> yeah and nisa mm-hmm. you want you want ramp i got you a nisa yeah that's definitely a uh, a backbreaking uh planeswalker she makes your lands into attacking vigilant three threes although i do see once in a while that people seem to do that deck on autopilot because I do have a blocker or I do have a death touch creature, but you're still attacking with your 3-3. They're just so used to like, I make a 3-3 and attack you with it. What are you going to do? And sometimes people just forget there are answers. Uh, You know, reading the card explains the card. Yeah. And it's like, why would you risk something that you're going to lose part of your ramp? Because not only should you turn into a creature, you get three mana for it if you tap it. Like, you gotta read the board, man. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny that they have like these little 1 1 death touch creatures. There's that one vampire. Uh, she's a 1 1 death touch lifelink. That's fun. There's a yeah. recent like snake that they put in there. That's a, it's a green, it's a 1 green 1 1 death touch. So that's just kind of hilarious that, yeah, you've got these huge creatures. They're really scary, but I'm gonna throw in my little 1 1 and, and we're both dead, but you're, you're more dead. 
Yeah, because I feel like it never shakes out, especially if the creature's like a 1-1. One, one. Like, no matter what, I used my 1-1 one, one to block whatever it was, and he probably spent more on it. Because yeah. if you think about adding Nisa to the green mana that you need to get other stuff, and now you just killed a 3-3, three, three, you're silly. Like, I won on top of that, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really fun when like people are building their house of cards, and then you take out one little thing on that uh, house of cards, and it all crashes down. Mm-hmm. Reading is fundamental. Read the board, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Do you think magic is like creating a new generation of avid readers? Because uh, I've never played Yu-Gi-Oh, but when I see people's Yu-Gi-Oh cards, it's like a big old novel on those cards. I don't know if you've seen them. I've never played Yu-Gi-Oh a day in my life. I haven't played it either, but I am part of this card club and I see Yu-Gi-Oh players on the other table. And when I look Mm -hmm. at their cards, it's like literally they have a novel in their little text box explaining themselves. Aye, aye, aye. I was always told that in Magic the Gathering, the card is always right. Even if the rules are wrong, if the card says it does it, it's like, well, I guess this card does it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there's like this overlying rule set in magic but then it can be situational that if the card says this then that's it like you know i have i have an untapped step nope my card says you don't have an untapped step moving on true that's true i have a question for you oh sure the interviewee has become the interviewer (laughs) what has been your favorite card so far of 2019 since we're doing like a recap 2019, there's so many cards that I've liked. I keep coming back over and over to Etrata the Silencer. She is a black-blue creature. She's a 2-5, I believe, or 2-4. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, she's the one that's unblockable, and when it connects with the opponent, you exile your one of your opponent's creatures, and if they end up with three exiled creatures, they lose the game. So that's the one I keep coming back to as a favorite card of 2019. Blue black is just so good. That's why I keep feeling like this whole conversation just loops back around to. And we don't like it, but we like it. <laughs> yeah. I also liked, um, it, it was like just for the LOLs of it, I like Charm Stray. Uh, that was a little 1 1 cat for one white mana uh, with lifelink. But then when you summoned another Charmed Stray, you would give your other Charmed Stray a plus one counter. So if you have all four of them summoned on the battlefield, you've got a 1-1 cat, a 2-2 cat, a 3-3 cat, and a 4-4 cat. And they've all got lifelink. That's cute. And then you add your little Johnny's kitty cat meow. Yeah. That's uh, that's one that I enjoyed there. And... Um... There's just, like I said, 1,500 cards to choose from, and sometimes they all blend together and you forget a whole bunch, but there's a couple that do stand out. That's true. That is so true. Like, all the cards that I can think of that are, like, my favorite come to mind are cards that are, like, at first used to irritate me, (laughs) and then after looking at it, are like, okay, I get it, and I see why this card is so strong, like... Thief of Sanity. Mm-hmm. I don't need preacher cards in my deck because you have them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I drink your milkshake. Pretty much. Or like even, I think you said this earlier too, Immortal Sun, where it's like, hey, those are nice planeswalkers you have. Yeah. You can't activate abilities. K thinks. On something that's like super oppressive, like 
And I think that was an Ixalan card. Yes. But it's like, can you imagine if we had that with like Liliana when she came out and wore the spark or Oko? Mm-hmm. Or or even um the green black one to rock or whatever it was, because he is oppressive as all get out too. Mm-hmm. Like imagine Immortal Sun that like that would completely shut down, especially how how heavy War of the Spark was with Planeswalkers. Yeah, that Immortal Sun not only does it shut down their well, your planeswalkers too, because I must admit that I once in a while summoned my own planeswalker and I was like, why can't I do my own stuff? Oops, Immortal Sun is shutting me down as well. But anyway, uh, Immortal Sun shuts down planeswalkers. It plus one plus one is your creatures. It um, decreases mana costs by one and it draws you an extra card. Yeah, that's that was a really good artifact. Like, because even if you think about it too, in certain situations, yeah, I have an immortal son and I have a planeswalker on the board, but like, like Liliana in War of the Spark, she was still fine. Because if they killed your creature, I would just draw a card. Yeah. I just can't create tokens or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, War of the Spark was very cool in terms of here's a whole bunch of planeswalkers to play with, some of them more more powerful than others. They all had interesting loyalty abilities, and um, most of them had a static ability that was just kind of like an enchantment always constantly Mm -hmm. doing its thing. Which I thought was really nice, especially for the planeswalkers that didn't have a plus, but only a negative ability. Like, um... The red planeswalker, I can't think of his name, but you can't gain life as long as he's on the field Mm -hmm. and he creates a 1-1 red devil that will do one damage upon death to whatever target. That was Tybalt. Like, he was so good against, like, an Ajani deck. It's like, I'm not dealing with you. You get Ajani's welcome out, and then you got an Ajani's (laughs) prod mate and a healer's hawk. No, like, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> there was that one combo that also that one uh fountain of youth the one that would automatically gain you one life that one artifact oh every time it was your turn you just get one health at the beginning of your turn yeah. oh my goodness i can't think of the name of it i think it was uh fountain i think it was fountain of youth fountain was in the name there somewhere but that one rotated out but that was the combo that everyone wanted they wanted that uh fountain of youth they wanted a johnny and maybe a healer's hawk or something and you were constantly growing that cat even even without trying yeah like even like i'm looking at like some of these old cards because i just like clicked it to find the one you're talking about i remember ashes of the aberrant like if a creature died you would gain one health and your johnny's on the board like this is oof a johnny you're a jerk (laughs) (laughs) This uh, podcast is quickly becoming the Ajani podcast. (laughs) The kitty cat meow (laughs) podcast. (laughs) We're thinking of so many ideas for future podcasts. I think you should do one dedicated to cats. Yeah, like um, cats only in magic or just all cats all the time? All cats all the time. How else would it be? Uh, That way I'll never run out of material for sure. That is a whole entire factorini. Mm-hmm. Well, as we wind down, what are you, what what are you thinking about uh, the future of magic in twenty twenty? First of all, can you believe that now we're talking about the year twenty twenty? When when I was a kid, the year first of all, when I was a kid, the year two thousand seemed so far away, 
And that was 20 years ago. And then, like, even when you think about 2020, and my mind is like, should we be, like, in the Jetsons, flying cars, you know, cities above cities? Yeah. And I'm just like, this is like the 90s, but harder. I hate it here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I read these, like, articles, these opinion pieces about, like, culture or society or whatever has been stuck in the 90s for the last 30 years for good or for bad and it's like yeah there's technology technological advances and societal advances and so forth but it doesn't feel like the last you know that the 21st century is even here i think like too much of previous pop culture and such hyped up the future so much yeah that it's like we're gonna get there the future is there we're gonna get to it and people picked this number of the year 2000 and that was 20 years ago I mean, when you think about 2000 and the term of 1999, we've had 999 years here to get rid of the one. So everyone's like, yeah. And if you think about how mm. technology had expanded from, let's just say the 1900s to like 2000 and the last hundred years, like from steam to coal yeah. to now just even internet and space, I could see where humans were like, we got this. Look at us. We're making something out of nothing. Yeah. And then I don't know what happened. I, I, <laughs> that's a different conversation for a different podcast. But I yeah. could see where the expectation was going. Like, we were doing all these things with cars and space. So it's like, it's not far-fetched. I, I would assume so. But here we are with our clown nose on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just a little bit of a pause. And then who knows? It will get kick-started in the year 2020, 2021, and it'll all start accelerating again. And when we uh, talk on the next podcast, we're going to be doing it through holograms. And on our flying car on our way to Mars. <laughs> yes, a side trip to Mars. Just a trifle, really. If we can get over this coronavirus first. <laughs> Baby steps. Well, then maybe we'll we'll be on Mars and we'll have the Marzona virus or something. You know what? You're absolutely right. <laughs> but we'll figure it out. If we can fly cars over there, we'll figure out all those little things. No little virus is going to hold us back. That's true. Can't hold me back. Mm-hmm. Well, back on track. What are we? Uh, what are we uh, seeing in 2020 in the world of magic, or just uh, uh, any plans and such that you have for the new year? My biggest weakness and my biggest goal in Magic: The Gathering for 2020 is to make a streamlined 60 card deck. Hmm. Every deck that I have is 100 plus cards because I'm not a fan of well. I only have one win condition. I have to have two. And if I have two, that leaves you exposed to this. Yeah. I always find it really, really hard. Because even when I find meta decks, I'm like, this would be improved if we just add a set of these four. And these four would be great with these four. Next thing I know, I'm at 218 cards. I'm like, well. <laughs> but you have an answer for everything. Yeah, I mean, if I could draw it. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Do you ever run into people on Arena that do have a big old stack of cards? Yeah. And um, funnily enough, it's always blue players, blue hmm. or red players. And it's like, on the one hand, as a blue player, I get it. I don't want you to mill me out. So that's not a strategy you have. <laughs> so if that's your 60-card deck, I've got 218 cards. Uh, I'm going to win. Yeah. On the other hand, it's like, mm, with, red, with red, it's like if somebody is going in with a mill... And I don't want you to get rid of all my big creatures. Like, if it's a red creature deck, 
I know I'm going to eventually hit something and you're going to be a really sad boy. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, I just really want to make a streamlined deck where it's like I don't get what I like to call landlocked, where I'm like drawing land after land for like five turns in a row. Because by the time I get a spell or a creature, it's too late. I got like three health. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a learning process. When I got back into Magic in 2017, I kind of had to relearn the game somewhat, and I've been playing a lot since then, 2017, and after Arena came out, I've been playing that a lot, and I look back on my first streams, and those first streams were from uh, April 2018, and that's going to be two years now. I'm like, that doesn't feel like I've been streaming for uh, Magic Arena for two years now, but yeah, that's when I started. Time flies when you're having fun and creating content you care about. Yeah. Any big plans on content creation? Um, My main focus is now, like, I really want to incorporate video games with professional wrestling because there's so many similarities, so many inspirations, I feel, on both sides. It's like you have wrestlers who come out to the stage in video game or manga or comic book inspired gear Hmm. and you'll instantly recognize it like there was a wrestler ember moon who came out dressed as i believe either was assassin's creed or monster hunter she Hmm. had on there like her gear was modified to give it homage and same thing with the guy named johnny gargano he did a venom wrestling at the last um venom wrestling he did a venom gear sort of look at um at the last pay-per-view and it's like Hmm. if Wrestling can mirror storylines like, oh, I'm an angsty wrestler and I just want to be the greatest in the world and da-da-da-da-da. Doesn't that sound familiar? That's your Final Fantasy. You know what I mean? Or even if you think like Magic the Gather, you have someone who's like, I'm so good, I'm super cocky. And then like someone who's an up-and-comer knocks them off. Like, um, who was that? That's like Nico Bolas and whatnot. It's like, there's so Mm -hmm. many comparisons you can make. And I want to find the best intersection. I know people like Xavier Woods already do it, but I want to find the best intersection where we we can go deeper. We let's get let's get real nerdy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's the cool thing that we have the ability to to do that to create content to merge all of the things that we like, and if we like it, other people must like it too. We just need to find that audience. So uh, I can't wait to see where your path goes. I am excited. I just find, like I said, especially in like nerd fandoms, there's a lot of intersectionality between games, wrestling, comic books, manga, anime, card games, tabletop games, like you name it. There are so many people who are interested in this, that, and the third. And people find out about other games like this through word of mouth. Because I could read many a review like, so I'm blue in the face, but a review online won't give you context. A friend showing you a game or someone who you're like, I watch your stream or I watch your YouTube and you see how it unfolds for the most part without the editing. It's like, it's all about context. And I want to be able to be like, listen, I know a lot of people who didn't like professional wrestling. And now people tell me, oh, is wrestling coming on today? I'm like, yeah, look at you. You're addicted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Converts. But that, that was, that's me now with Magic the Gathering. I, I, I will be up here and be the first person to say that I was very against it because, like, oh, there's so many cards. I don't want to get addicted. I'm going to get lost. Someone's just going <laughs> to beat me up. And now I'm like, you got any more than uh, Magic cards? Like, look at me. I'm a crackhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's definitely what happens when all the things converge. It's fun. It's readily available. You need a computer. Uh, there's so much content to consume, and then you get the bug to make your own content, and yeah, we're all addicted here. That's the other subtitle of my podcast. This is uh, Let's Enter the Arena, a podcast for magic addicts. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's really the truth. Because when you think about it, too, like Magic the Gathering will bring you so much joy and so much torment. Because you look <laughs> at the world, you look at people doing things you're like, I would have never thought to do that. Let me try it. You try it in mm -hmm. your deck, and then you can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it does work, you're like, I'm a god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, um, I do see a lot of people that. That's some pretty good strategy. Let me try a version of it. Well, I try their version and it's like, that's cool. Now let me try my version of it. And I tweak it a little bit. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But then I tried my version of it. And and that's uh, the constant exploration of this game. It's just a puzzle piece full of thousands of cards. And when the pieces fit together, it's a really good feeling. It is. And I think that the fact that there's so many people who have eyes on this game there's so many different perspectives and all it takes is for one person to say, yo, why don't you take this set of four out and put this set of four in and that's the new meta. All it takes is one card or like take out these two and put in these two just in case and these other two in your sideboard. Cra that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing about the community. So many people playing, so many people enjoying and uh, more people playing more magic is more good. <laughs> You are the king of catchphrases tonight. <laughs> well, on that note, what uh, social media would you like to promote one more time? Let's get you some traffic and people hanging out with you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you can follow me at twitch.tv, Star, and that's C-R-E-S-T-A. S-T-A-R-R, -R, like a pirate double R. All of my social media can be found at Cresta Star as well. I am on TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Twitch. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have a mixer out there somewhere too. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, everything is Cresta Star. And listen, if you like professional wrestling, League of Legends, Magic the Gathering, you know, people just like, getting into a civil conversation about whatever, come to me. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I like that you have everything as Cresta Star. Makes it very easy for you to find. Um, as for myself, I'm pretty much VM Campos everywhere except YouTube. I had to settle for VM Campos JR. I put Junior in there, but I claimed that account like 10 years ago, so I can't even change it anymore. And uh, besides that, I'm on VM Campos on Twitter and uh, Twitch, and I've got VMCampos.com and everything, Patreon and all of that. Let me do just one plug in terms of if people want merch. I just have a, I've got t-shirts now. You can go to merch dot stream elements.com slash vm campos and i've got t-shirts hoodies i think there's a mouse pad in there and a mug everything that people need for their gaming experience well cresta star one more time thank you so much for visiting the podcast thank you for having me whenever you are ready to hear how i'm a turncoat next time when i'm like hey remember cheesy red white boros <laughs> i'm playing it now i'll be here <laughs> this has been vm campos and i'll see you in the arena <laughs>